Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Can you smell it in the air? Can you see the leaves uh, changing color? Maybe they're falling. They're falling here. Guess what I get to do before I leave for opening weekend? Anyway, it is that time of year, and we're going to talk all about it. The big opening day, opening weekend, opening week, if you're really lucky. We're going to prepare in several ways. Uh, Most of it will be reminders of things you thought about or have already done, but there might be something in there that can get you a little bit further down the road a little bit more safely and more productively, or your dog. So we'll talk about what to do on opening day and what to do before opening day on the road. You'll also chip in your two cents worth on your first shot of the season. What are you planning to shoot and at what bird? Looking forward to your comments on that from our social media. Around here, yeah, just getting everything kind of buttoned down and uh, wrapped up, if you will. Missed, (laughs) I don't know, I'm going to lodge a complaint. I don't think it was me. Uh, Originally planning to be in Nevada for opening weekend, Got an email from the State Department of Wildlife uh, alluding to a youth hunt, which took place, will take place on opening weekend, which means we adults aren't allowed. So (laughs) scrambled and uh, put some other things into place uh, logistically with friends and uh, got to uh, end up finally at our favorite place of all places anyway so that lemon became lemonade we're hunting in oregon instead but uh, still wonderful places and you've got yours all picked out haven't you i'm sure you do well we're going to talk more about oh, oh that kind of stuff and other things that are a little bit more practical as well it's all made possible by sage and breaker gun care products Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, the Ringneck Nation of Huron, South Dakota, True Lock Choke Tubes, and our Fur Feathers Friends event. Oh my. Well, uh, yes, usually here is where I talk about a public access opportunity for you. A walk-in or private, you know, or public property or something like that. We're going to be talking about all sorts of things along those lines. So I'm going to skip through that and get to our first commercial message from Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. So looking forward to being back there very soon, getting another lesson from Dave and Vandy. Um, but in addition to shooting instruction and uh, all sorts of clay target games, uh, they have a strong online presence with their pro shop. So if you're going through your vest or going through your gear and realizing, ah, dang, need a new pair of shooting glasses, high-quality shooting glasses, or one of those new Negrini cases just for bird hunters, Benchmade knives, gun cleaning supplies, you name it, they've got it. Learn no more about their pro shop offerings at midvalleyclays.com. And I'll see you there. And if you're not planning to go, uh, that's fine. You can take somebody somewhere else on the Fur Feathers Friends event. But I am going to Huron, South Dakota. Ringneck Nation is what they call it. If you'd like to learn more about the 124,000 acres of public access they have within an hour's drive of downtown Huron, just go to Hunt Huron 
sd.com. They'll send you a free information packet with maps, the public access atlas, discounts, information of all sorts. Like I said, I'll be seeing you there for Fur Feathers Friends, October 27th through 31st. If you can't make it, that's okay. Come on later. Visit the Ringneck Festival and Bird Dog Challenge in November. Enjoy yourself at Ringneck Nation at HuntHuronSD.com. All right, so um, get a lot of questions about things like planning and uh, things to bring and why I do what I do in the field. I've been doing it a while. I totaled it all up again most recently. I probably figured on uh, uh, 26 states I've hunted in. Most of those I drove to. A lot of them I drove to with a crew for a TV show, but a lot of them I drove to just for fun with friends and uh, acquaintances or by myself and my dog. So I put together a little list of the things that uh, might come in handy for that road trip, either the opening weekend road trip or one down the road. you got a big one planned for this year. Make note of some of this stuff. And if you have any more suggestions on this, I'm going to keep this updated. I think it's a pretty good reference piece. Probably go into my uh, soon-to-be public access uh, online course. Uh, it, you, know, it, you know as well as I, it, a long, grueling trip will test your organizational skills which then trickle down to your dog's stamina and ultimately to your shooting abilities. At least in my case, it does. Yeah, yeah, it's an athletic event. And if you're not ready for it, then uh, something's going to go sideways, even worse than my usual shooting expertise, which is sorely lacking. So uh, sometimes you need to focus on the little stuff. As they say, um, it's... The devil is in the details. It, it could be mundane, but it could affect everything from those items I just mentioned to the memories you bring home from your, your, your big trip of the year. So if you're planning one, and most of these are relevant for, you know, even a day trip for that matter, here are some of the lessons I've learned that I keep coming back to. And yes, I have this list in my pocket for tonight when I pack. First off, there really is a place for everything and everything should go in that place. I've got my truck pretty well organized. Maybe you saw that video. Go to the YouTube channel and by the way, the YouTube channel is Scott Linden Outdoors. Go to the YouTube channel and watch that video. I take you on a you know quick tour of my truck, where everything is and why it's there. The last thing you want is to be rummaging through the entire back of your truck looking for something when it should be right next to something else which is right next to something else for a reason pack according to how where and when it will be used for example if i'm going to hunt with somebody else in their rig then i throw everything into a day bag with the gear i need for their vehicle and i'm just along for the ride grab it and a gun and i'm pretty confident it'll be a good day in the field now, in my travel trailer, I got my um, dog care stuff, one bag of that stuff. But in the truck, I've also got the dog food next to the dog crate, next to the dog bowl, next to the dog water, all within easy reach. So when the day ends, all those things are right there in the order I need them. And 
quite often pre-packed in the quantities I need them. I keep a bag for foul weather gear, just keep it way in the back until the weather starts to threaten and the clouds open up, then I grab that and keep it handy. You know the drill. Everything in its place. Place for everything. Now one thing we don't do enough of, uh, and, and I understand, it's exciting, it's fun, uh, it is uh, a chance to kind of go off the rails, if you will, but your dog doesn't appreciate that one dang bit. Dogs are animals of habit. That's why they're called creatures of habit. You know, they love routine. That ensures that they'll be relaxed, happy, rested well, and eager to bust the brush the next morning, and the morning after that, and the morning after that. So whether you're on the road or you're in camp, regular waking and bedtime hours for your dog, uh, reminder drills of some of the things you're training for, Every day, even if you don't use them on the hunt, those things are familiar and the dog builds confidence in you and in the new location and in himself. And that is something we, we kind of neglect very often. I've uh, really, really keyed in the last year or so on um, what I'm calling mental training for flick. Yeah, there's all the physical stuff, uh, you know, the drills, the kinesthetics, all of that that are really important. But challenging them mentally also uh, has benefits. It keeps them happy. It keeps them confident in you. It keeps them confident in themselves. So do all those things. <clears throat> Bring food and water from home. Don't surprise them with anything that may affect their gastrointestinal system. Make sure they have a crate that they're comfortable sleeping in, uh, some bedding that they're used to and that smells familiar. All of that will minimize anxiety in your most important hunting partner, your dog. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Scott Linden here, going solo this time. By the way, I hope you enjoyed that last podcast with Lee Chose. If you haven't heard it yet, go to, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to that fascinating advice on everything from travel to taking better pictures. Okay, number three on my list for a great road trip is planning for spontaneity. I know. But I used the line a few days ago somewhere, and then as you heard in the introduction, it, it's still true. If you are on your toes, if you will, uh, when you're on a hunting trip, uh, then good things happen. Staying mobile is the term I've been using lately for this kind of thing. It sounds funny, but leaving holes in your schedule for unexpected opportunities or maybe even just catching up with laundry has two benefits. First things first, your stress level is lower. And second, that leads to more fun. It could be simple, but let me give you one example. I was in South Dakota a couple of years back, and, uh, and you know, I was, <clears throat> you know, I, I generally, when I'm by myself, I try to avoid hunting on Saturdays because it's very crowded. If anybody's going to hunt one day a week, that's the day. Um, so I was kind of moving around. I was doing laundry, and I was uh, catching up with a friend here or there, and uh, <clears throat> chance meeting with somebody who saw Flick in the back of the truck, uh, <clears throat> got to a discussion, which got to a place, which got to an invitation to hunt 
some incredible public access ground that I'd never seen before. <laughs> so you never know where things are going to go if you just prepare yourself for never knowing where things are going to go. could simply be a detour to sightsee or spend a little time drinking coffee or something stronger at the end of the day <clears throat> with somebody that you just met. Leave some wiggle room in your schedule for that sort of thing. Now, I, I always have deadlines, uh, and most of the time they're from Gundog or Pointing Dog Journal magazine, and and so I'll always bring some of those assignments along. So we'll hunt hard two days. Then the third day will be a rest day both for Flick and for my creaky knees, but I'll write while I'm on the road. And, you know, luckily I'm able to do that. That's kind of one of the great things about being an outdoor writer. So think about those things. I know it's a once a year trip. You want to be uh, productive, but if everybody's beat, including the dog, uh, then that third day or that fourth day, whatever it is, depending on your dog power, um, nobody's having much fun. Uh, there are lots of solutions to that, but leave a little bit of flexibility in your schedule just in case. Now, I'm going to sound like your mother for a minute, and I apologize in advance, but it's absolutely true. You take good care of yourself, right, at home. You take good care of your dog at home. Let's focus on you for a minute because it's critical. If you're not in shape yet, it's too late. But let's presume you're in decent shape. And your dog is too. On the road, <clears throat> take your vitamins. Eat somewhat carefully. I know it's my excuse for more pizza than usual. Get enough sleep and drink plenty of water or water analogs. I use it. In fact, I'll talk about those for a minute. I use all sorts of supplements, if you will, that, that get me through the day and especially through the night. You know, if you played football or you played baseball, you got knee problems. I can guarantee it. They may be serious. They may not be. Mine are just vicious serious and, and can ruin the night, which, of course, ruins the day and the rest of the trip. So I'm doing all the usual stuff. I got glucosamine. I got chondroitin. I got uh, um, some other uh, muscle kind of supplements. I've got uh, magnesium and potassium for those as well. But number one on the list, plenty of water. That's how we avoid water. I mean, leg cramps uh, at night in the field. We, me and my dog, because he gets some things as well. During the day, I also try to replenish electrolytes in my muscles with, uh, I like a, uh, a tablet. Remember, if you're old enough, you remember Plop Plop, Fizz Fizz, uh, Alka-Seltzer? Well, these are tablets like that. They come in a tube. It's called Noon, N-U-U-N. I carry those in my vest, and I'll fill uh, water bottles, and then I'll drop a couple of those in, and those will replenish my electrolytes in my system during the day when I need them most, but it also pays off at the end of the day and the middle of the freaking night. So if you are having those kind of problems, plan ahead, get that stuff, learn how it works, and start using it in advance. Um, the last thing you need is to catch a bug or be at less than your physical best, eating carefully, getting enough sleep. Those are the things that will prevent 
a lot of those problems. I know, I know. Moderation in all things, including moderation, especially if you're with friends. So uh, I'll understand it if you have one more tall, cold one. I know I will. Celebrate. I mean, when else are you going to celebrate? You're with friends. You've got a great dog. You've been in a beautiful place. All right, enough on that. There's another tangent to planning for spontaneity. Um, on the drive, slow down. I don't mean drive slower because then you'll be the guy who's holding up me. But I mean, uh, make some stops. Use them strategically. Uh, air the dogs. Take a lunch break, even if it's for 15 minutes. Stretch your legs. Enjoy the place where you're parked. I try to be really careful about where I park, especially if I'm going to get the dogs out. And that's one of the reasons I go. I go off the beaten path just a little, pull over, and exercise the dogs, stake them out. I'll use my GPS to find a fairgrounds or a school on a weekend, a park, museum, church parking lots. Just be considerate and um, find a little bit of peace during a hectic road trip. Your dog will appreciate it, and in the long run, so will you. I guess it's sort of related to that, if you will, and this would be my last bit of advice on on your road trip, per se. Uh, again, if you have better thoughts than me, which I don't doubt, uh, please share them on the social media, Facebook, Wing Shooting USA, or Upland Nation, or even my personal page, Scott Linden. Uh, but here's one that I think everybody, in fact, I just got this assignment from uh, Pointing Dog Journal, in fact. Uh, breathe deep. Celebrate. Watch the sunset at the end of the day with an old scotch and older comrades. Give the dog a scratch, maybe a little treat. Do none of that until you've conducted a tailgate exam on your dog poke there and prod here and make sure his eyes, his ears, his skin, and his feet are in good shape for the next day. But then get back to that sharing memories in the field stuff. That lasts a lifetime. A full game bag probably lasts until dinner. But those friendships, the camaraderie, all those things are what matters. So take some time out of the day to actually sit down and debrief, pour yourself whatever you like, and celebrate the hunt. Remember, bird hunting puts us in beautiful places with good friends and loyal dogs. Take time to remember that. And then, I just read again what I've always felt was true. Take a lot of pictures. The act of taking a picture will indelibly etch that scene in your mind for a long, long time. Have a safe road trip. Stick around. I've got some suggestions for what you might want to do on opening day coming up on the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks so much for listening. We're brought to you in part by sageandbreaker.com. I've raved about their modifiable bore cleaning kit quite often and this is the time of year when it will come in real handy 
take the standard boar snake, add a few things, including a detachable brass brush, it will save you time and effort and keep your gun in great shape. They've got all sorts of things as well for lubricating and cleaning your firearm, keeping your gun in good condition. Uh, we've talked about getting you in good condition. Your gun deserves the same thing as does your dog. Sign up for the mailing list at sageandbreaker.com. Watch some of the videos. It's an incredible resource, sageandbreaker.com. Thanks for sticking around. Scott Linden here, the Upland Nation podcast, coming up later in the podcast. I asked you what you're going to shoot at and what gauge shotgun you're going to use for the opening for your very first shot of the season. It'd tell you a lot about a person, won't it? And uh, your responses were fascinating. We'll get to those right after. Uh, I kind of take a look at opening day and how to make it slightly more epic for you and your bird dog. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, if you're in certain parts of the country or you shoot at certain kinds of birds, your opener was a while back. But for most of us, it's right around now or next week in Nevada. Gosh dang it. Uh, And... um, you know, there are things that we may not think about. Uh, you know, again, like I said, put these in your pocket. Maybe one of them will come to mind as you're unloading a dog or uh, putting some shells in your vest. And uh, it will help you have an even better opening day. After all, we've waited and planned, practice, anticipated, maybe dreaded everything from the alarm clock's buzz to the post-sun celebration. Let's make sure it all comes together. Don't trust the luck. Don't rely on a wing and a prayer. Those aren't strategies. If you stage manage your first day, it'll ensure a safer, more enjoyable start for you and your dog, and that will translate on down the line up to the closer. First things first, and one we love to potter about with, our stuff. You know, half the game is in your head. If you're familiar with your gear and you've mastered its use, it creates a level of confidence, both in you, of you, and the dog. So at least on opening morning, consider these suggestions. I always shoot the gun I shoot best, even if I got a new one over the winter. Of course, I always bring a spare shotgun and make sure that if it's a different gauge, I I have the right ammo for it. We talked about that once on social media. Are you wearing in your broken-in boots? Yeah, yeah, or your lucky hat or vest? Uh, You can dial in the new stuff any day, but on that first day, you want to be comfortable literally and figuratively so ditto thanks for the reminder microsoft ditto for any new technology you got a new e-collar or gps uh, make sure you know how to use it or at least bring the user's manual and pack it all into your truck the night before so that when you do forget something it's only one thing instead of all the stuff that's sitting there by the front door you know i'll never forget this and maybe you watched it on a wing shooting you 
USA episode a, a few years back. We were in Kentucky. And on the spur of the moment, hey, I talked about spontaneity earlier. Here I am doing it again. Um, anyway, um, having a drink with uh, a great guy, just a guest at the lodge. It was at, uh, let's see, where was it? Deer Creek Lodge. And Marvin Schott was uh, buying that night. We got to talk and I said, hey, want to come with us tomorrow? Be on the show? He said, sure. And we had a great day. In fact, that's a day, one of the episodes we got out of that day was what, that real-time episode where we just shot. You know, we rolled cameras for 21 and a half minutes, and it, it came out great. And in watching that raw footage, here's what I took away from watching Marvin's parts of it. Marv knew his gun, well, like the Marine Corps uh, recruits who have to take it apart and put it back together in the dark. That guy never had to look at it, but he knew where everything was, the safety, the um, the slider. It was an automatic, semi-automatic, so what, you know, whatever you call that slider thing. Um, he knew exactly how it worked. He knew exactly where to put his hands all the time. That kind of familiarity is going to come in real handy on opening morning. So if you're not there yet with the new stuff, take the old stuff, uh, reacquaint yourself with it if you need to, and go with confidence wearing and using the stuff you know best. Speaking of stuff you know best and confidence, who doesn't love new hunting spots? And, you know, granted, I, you know, I, I've spent the last four years hunting places I've never been before. But if you want everything to go right one thing you can do is go to a spot you know if you're looking for a certain kind of success if you're if you want to know there are birds if you want to know that the dog is going to have a chance to make bird contacts start the season on the right foot hunt a spot you know you'll probably shoot better and you'll have, like I said, a better chance of finding birds, so your dog will be happy. Everybody gets off on the right paw, and that makes for a great season. I'm, I know I'm talking a lot of psychology here, and I apologize, but you know, some of this stuff, it might stick. Some of it might be handy to you. You can blow it all off if you want, but you know, I think it's a head game. We've talked about that before. And, and, and if you want to play the game right, you do want some positive reinforcement once in a while. All right. After that, if you simply couldn't resist the siren song of a new, new cover, then you've done all your research. Maybe you've done, done some e-scouting. You've looked at all the maps. You've talked to the regional biologists. You've got any kind of permissions you need. And you bring along a topo map of one sort or another so that you know it as well as you can know it without having been there yet. Yeah, here are some things that I do whenever I can. First things first, I, I, I look to my friends list and see if there's anybody from the area who will debrief me. I will spend time with the regional biologist on the phone. You know, the other thing is, it's not always the biologist who's going to help you the most. I was at a place a couple, well, it was last season. Uh, thank you, Felton, for bringing me. Um, talked with uh, the guy who answered the phone at the regional office of 
the um, uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife in our state. Turns out he was a big bird hunter himself and had all sorts of great advice for me and Felton on where we should go next and how to access it right. Done the same thing on the ground, was driving past a guy, clearly he was a trapper, uh, pulled in and said, hey, you from around here? I'm a bird hunter. You can see from my dog. I can prove it. I got orange on the whole McGillie. He says, yeah. Um, and so we talked trapping for a little bit. I, By the way, I learned how to uh, release a dog from a conibear trap, thanks to him, and I appreciate that. Uh, but, you know, in the course of just talking to this guy, uh, we uh, found an access to a walk-in property that uh, we had no idea was there. It was not on the map. Yeah, warning. Those fancy online mapping apps on your phone, they're quite often out of date. So bear that in mind. Gather local intelligence however you can, especially with new places. But as I said, quite often the right way to do this is to go to a spot you know and love. It's like visiting an old friend. There's nothing wrong with saying hello more than once, and especially if you haven't seen him for a while. So anyhow, you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, kind of sharing with you uh, 33 years of uh, lessons I learned the hard way so you don't have to. This part of the podcast is all about um, making your opening day or your opening weekend as spectacular as possible. One way to do that is pick the right partner. And if you are a partner, there are certain protocol that you might want to consider. If you're old hands at traveling and hunting together, well, you know the drill. But if you're not, here are some things that um, that might come in handy. If you are the invitee, you know, pitch in. Everything from paying for every other tank of fuel to uh, bringing some treats or a spectacular lunch if that's the, um, the opportunity. Uh, if you want a gun while your buddy handles the dog, great, or vice versa. Find out what your protocol is when it comes to bump birds, uh, wild rises, all of those things. Learn all that and then adhere to it. I'll never forget the first chucker hunt I ever went on. Thank you, Bill, for being so tolerant and for taking me along. We never asked about um, rabbits. Yeah, I know it was a chucker hunt, but rabbits are in season. Some people like them. At the time, I thought they'd be interesting as well. Um, as one raced by, he told me, don't shoot. I wasn't ready to, but he told me, and he might have been better off telling me, before we started that climb, but at least he told me, no, we're not shooting rabbits. Uh, here are some other safety rules. Uh, here's, how, here's how things work here. I'm thinking about this weekend. We got a mob scene now. It turned out it started as me and one guy, and now it's uh, me and four guys. Um, and the, the rule I'm going to um, make sure everybody understands, uh, never been a problem, but uh, with that many dogs... Uh, we can't we can't have have them loose running around in camp. It it it's somebody's gonna wear a cone afterwards. So, whatever your rules are, try to make them very clear in advance. Keep them simple, but you, you want safety. 
you want fun, you want friendship, and all those things happen better if you have a few protocols. Okay, you've already got permission to hunt if it's private property or one of those walk-in properties that requires it, right? And if you're alone, or even if you're not, if you're going to the back of beyond, um, you know, and some of the... Yes, I still go to places where there's no cell phone service. There are places like that and spend a lot of time there. Um, so somebody responsible knows exactly where I'm going. I'll describe it to them. I'll make a photocopy of that place on the map and give it to them. And they will know when to call the sheriff if I haven't gotten back. Thanks, honey. So far, she hasn't had the need to do that, but uh, on top of my spot locator beacon, it's just one more level of insurance. So, so have all that. Pick your partners correctly. Partners, be a part of the team. By the way, that comes in really handy when we're fixing flat tires. No watching, all working. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about dogs, um, because there's no reason to go but for those four-footed hunting companions, right? Every time I ask you why you go hunting, most of you tell me the same thing, to watch the dog. I'm in there. That's how I got started. Bill slammed a point. That pheasant went up. I decided right then and there... If he'll do that for me, I'll go buy a shotgun. You have your own version of that story. Take a moment. Think about it right now. And then remember how important it is for your dog to be safe and performing at his peak. Every day, all season, it starts with opening weekend. Guard against the risk of stomach twist. I know the science is about 50-50 on this, but why take the chance? Do like I do, and like every pro guide I talk to does, and like every dog trainer who runs dogs in Saskatchewan in the summer, for example. They all do this. Well, they all don't do this. Feed that dog in the morning. There's just enough risk. Plus, the benefits of a dog's performance on an empty stomach are rife. The water in their system is not going to digest the food. Their blood flow is greater, if you will, because it's not being directed at the stomach. They're not carrying all that extra weight, and the physical aspect of food in the belly swinging back and forth. Let me give you a perfect example. Take a sock, hopefully a clean sock. Take your car keys. Put your car keys down. They'll, they'll shake down into the heel. Hold the toe in your left hand, hold the top of your sock, the opening in your right hand. That means the heel's right in front of you and it's got those keys in it. Just jiggle that around as if it's the gastrointestinal tract of your dog. Now jump over a fence. Oh, wait a minute. Your sock twisted, didn't it? Enough said. 
You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Uh, a little bit of a monologue, well, a lot of monologue, a little bit of lecture, but a lot of suggestions, and that's all they are. You have your own routines for making your opening day epic. These are mine. Learn them the hard way, 26 states. I was doing the math this morning as I was running Flick. Uh, let's see, let's do it for you. Yeah, 40 days a year at least in the field, some days 60, some days some some years 60, some years 70 and and a lot of years uh, slightly less for 33 years. Um that's uh, well, I I think I totaled several thousand miles uh walking around in, you know, bird country. Yeah, you learn a lot about that including about how to manage a dog. Uh, give your dog a chance to um, calm down before you let him out of the box. Make sure everybody's ready to go. Once you do let him out, do a quick drill of obedience and field commands. Then, let him run solo for a while without any other dogs. That will get him dialed into hunting for you and Remembering what hunting is all about without the distraction and competition of another dog or two or five. If everybody does that, you've got a longer hunting day because your dogs are in better shape. And everybody's happy. Every dog gets his day. So that's where it came from. <laughs> Bring plenty of water, especially early in the season and a high-fat snack for quick energy in the field. I wish I could still bring you that crunch pemmican dog energy bar, but the folks in Denmark just don't want to import it anymore to the United States. In the meanwhile, I've searched for other instant energy snacks for my dog. And dogs, by the way, they get their instant energy from fat, not from simple carbohydrates like humans do. And interestingly, there are a lot of so-called energy supplements out there for a dog that are built on the premise of humans. They're full of carbs and there's no fat. So what I've resorted to is I buy some of those little squeeze tubes that you can refill. And I, you know what I put in them? Egg yolks. They're almost entirely fat. Save the egg whites and put them on the dog food at the end of the day. But egg yolks during the day, I know it's a little messy. It's a little bit of, uh, you know, preparation. But the dogs literally will eat them up, squeeze a little bit out every hour or two, and, and they're getting that fat they need. Also, carefully, please monitor his behavior, especially on opening weekend when temperatures are high. You know the drill, what to look for. Okay, good. Keep it up. Just be mindful of all of that and keep the water flowing. Then when you're done, as I've said before, give him a nose-to-tail check for cuts, seeds in his eyes, broken nails, all the stuff, torn pads. You you know, and if you don't know, go to my, um, um, I'm sorry, to my uh, YouTube channel and take a look at the I I finally pulled it all together thanks to Gundog Magazine Online. They asked me to put together a video of the comprehensive tailgate exam. So you can watch it all in about six minutes there, practice a little bit, and uh, and know all the things that are important to check every night 
so that he's ready to go the next morning. I know it looks like a lot, and, and you've listened very kindly and considerately to, uh, you know, basically a solo effort here at the Upland Nation podcast, but you're in it for the long run, and, uh, you know, in many states that could be four or five months of hunting as long as you and the dog are in good shape from the start to the finish. Yeah, the old uh, Chinese saying, uh, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, you might as well make it the right step in the best place with a good partner and a dog that will be able to work for you all season. Lots more to talk about. We're going to talk about the bird you're going to shoot at and the gauge you're going to use on the opener. It's coming up on the Upland Nation podcast. But first, speaking of pointer shotguns, new video out now so watch for that it's 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 a it's a lot it was a lot of fun to make and i and i hope you'll learn something from it about safety in the field maybe i'll do do a talk on that sometime they also have a new website pointershotguns.com simple easy pointershotguns.com take a look at all their models you can watch some of those videos some of my articles are there as well and uh, like i said before shh, don't tell anybody but they got a new side-by-side 12-gauge coming down the pipe, and I can't wait to see it. I'll be previewing that on a hunt in Iowa later this season, and I'll keep you posted on how it goes. Learn all about a work of art at a price that's a thing of beauty, pointershotguns.com. We're back at the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Um, I always love talking with you. Uh, social media, lots of questions in the last few weeks uh, on uh, Facebook Messenger and some of the email uh, links that you can use for me. And I'm always glad to answer those. And then I'm also glad to ask questions as well. And this was a fun one. I didn't think it'd get the number of responses it did, but it, it, incredible. First shot of the season. What gauge and what bird? Eh, take this for what it is. I, I'm fascinated. Lance Larson's going to shoot chuckers with a 20 gauge only if his Weimaraners are steady to wing shot and fall. And then I guess after the fact, because you can't require this first and retrieved to hand. Well, good luck on that, Lance, especially with that puppy of yours. All legs and ears. Ken Welsh is swapping out a 12 gauge uh, to a 20. He'll take both shotguns on the trip he's going on to North Dakota. Hard to let old things go in. Hey, you know, um, again, back to what I was talking about earlier. Um, shoot the gun you love. Kevin McLaughlin. At least that's how I said it when I was introducing the new conductor of the Minnesota Chamber Orchestra. First upland bird of the season this year already. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about forest grouse. Uh, it was a dusky grouse with a 12-gauge Winchester number sixes, high brass. and Wow, what a trophy. Beautiful place, by the way. Beautiful. Thanks for the picture, Kevin. Joe Swanky, another early season guy, he shot a blue wing teal Super X Steel 7s. Yeah. And man, that 
blue is is obvious even to this colorblind podcast host. Keep up the good work. Sean Couch, someday we'll run into each other out there in Sharpdale country with a 12-gauge. Yeah, Bruce Wondrak, Prairie Chicken with a 16. I can't believe I haven't. We've been through four answers already. We haven't got anybody, uh, you know, lobbying for 16-gauge yet. David Klopp is uh, shooting a 20-gauge, and he's counting the days. Dan... Anasiak every year is the same for me in Ohio. 12-gauge at Doves. Yeah, done. Next, Nuisance Goose Season, 12-gauge steel shot. Rough Grouse with seven and a half for Yvonne Chayer. Mike Hamilton is going bluegrass. Lots of grouse talk these days. I'm glad for it, and sorry I missed my trip to Montana this year. Zach Ferguson. First shot of the season, first out of my new 16-gauge Upland gun company side-by-side. Yeah, yeah, great guys. Love them. Learning more about them by the day. And his first sage grouse. Congratulations, Zach. Tell me how you cooked that thing. Looks like two good-looking, almost all liver. um, Let's see if I can identify them. I think they're short hairs. Uh, I'm not positive, but I think they're short hairs, and uh, that's a good thing. I hope they were in on the whole affair, and congratulations to everybody who uh, reported in on that. Uh, Lots more in there. If you're interested in what other people are doing in this world, and who's not, then uh, go to the Facebook page. Uh, I asked the same questions on a number of the pages. This was on Wing Shooting USA. Put in your two cents worth and maybe we'll mention you or talk about your beautiful pictures here on the Upland Nation podcast, which is brought to you in part, in part, (laughs) brought to you in part. Yeah, I was working out to a Simpsons episode yesterday. Brought to you in part by TrueLockChokes.com. These guys not only know their chokes, they know shooting. If you're looking for advice on patterning your gun or what kind of choke to use for what kind of bird and what kind of ammo, it's all available at truelockchokes.com. Now, ideally, every time you clean your gun, you should clean your chokes. Whether it's plastic fouling or powder residue, it builds up in the screw-in chokes faster than in fixed choke guns. So bring 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 a choke tube wrench with you and then take those out, clean them, and then lubricate them and put them back every time you clean your gun. Well, I sure am glad you joined me for this. I got a whole bunch off my chest to ensure that you have the best opening day and the best road trip you can possibly have. Thank you to everybody who comments at our social platforms. Uh, Particularly thank you to those who left ratings and reviews. That's how we grow. People look for five-star podcasts, and you can help in that regard. Go to your podcast provider and give us a rating. Thank you in advance. We're all made possible by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays Shooting School, the Ringneck Nation of Huron, South Dakota, and True Lock Chokes. I'm Scott Linden, just about ready to hit the road. Maybe I'll see you there. If you see my truck, honk and say hello, and let's be spontaneous. Pull over and have a cup of coffee. Until then, I'll see you right here. <laughs>